0: As we get started in preparing to worship this morning, I had a very simple motto and mantra in my mind, which was that less of us and more of Him. I feel like in a, pretty much in every season of life but I wouldn't be surprised if some of us find ourselves more so in this season than before. There are a lot of times where life can kind of level you, where there was maybe once these great structures or things that you had built up in your life, Now you're looking out at a whole lot less than was before. Whether that is less relationships, less finances, maybe your career has taken a hit. Maybe you're just your heart, your mind, your well-being as a person, your health. It's easy to look at lack and see a loss. But I started thinking about it in terms of the Bible. And every time there was a lack, It just meant he was about to move. I think we need to readjust what less looks like in our mind, because I think having less just means there's more room for him to move. There's less in the way of obstructing his will for our lives. There was a widow that had two coins. There was a mother who was dying who just had a little bit of oil. There was a boy who had just some loaves and some fish. They had lost husbands and homes and hope. And yet every single one of those circumstances just made space for the miraculous. So I don't know what's vacant in your life today. I don't know what things seem to be absent or missing or empty. But I know that God wants to come and fill those places today with Himself. And whether that is the most tangibly miraculous move of God on earth, or whether that is simply an opportunity to know Him more intimately within yourself, He is still there, which means it is still worth So as we sing these songs today, asking him to come, to move, to raise our, to lift our praises to him, I want us to keep that at the forefront of our minds, less of us and more of him, because in the lessness, there is so much more fullness of God. So would you worship with me together as we stand and sing this morning?
1: Exceedingly, abundantly, above all that, we ask of, exceedingly, exceedingly, abundantly, above all that, we ask your thing, exceedingly, abundantly, above all that, we ask your thing, exceedingly, abundantly, above all that, we ask our thing, exceedingly. Abundantly, above all that, we ask for the coming. Eternal yes,
2: you have my eternal yes, you have my eternal yes,
1: you can come and move, You you have my eternal yes, you have my eternal yes, you have my eternal yes, you can come and move, you can come and move, you can come. i uh...
3: Holy, 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 holy are you, Lord. Holy and worthy, worthy to receive glory, worthy to receive honor, worthy to receive power, worthy to receive praise today. Daddy, you're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy. You're worthy. Jesus be glorified. In my life be glorified. In this church be glorified. In your kingdom, be glorified. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Daddy, come. Daddy, come. Daddy, come and move the power of our God in the land of the living. Daddy, your word says I've never seen the righteous forsaken or or their children begging bread. And so I pray that over this church today. Your word said, Lord God, that we will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And so we pray that in our lives today in the name of Jesus. For those battles for those worries for those moments in the name of jesus we come to you because you are the mighty warrior dressed for battle you're king of kings and lord of lords there's not one weapon formed against us in the name of jesus that shall prosper in my life be glorified bring healing to sickness in this body lord god Bring soundness of mind to those who are struggling inside. Bring hope and peace, Lord God, that surrounds and and, and invades, Lord God, like a mighty rushing wind. Pour out your Holy Spirit, because we need you. Daddy, we need you. We need you. We don't need good worship songs. We don't need just a good sermon. We don't need just good seats. We don't need just a good building. God, we need you. We need your presence. We need your purpose. We need your power alive in us. come and move Holy Spirit do what only you can do transform this room into your palace into your throne room open hearts and eyes and minds in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord we trust you, church. Come on. Just take a moment. Tell them you trust them. Just say, hey, and if you're saying, man, I'm hard, it's hard for me to trust you, be honest with God. Just say, God, help me to trust you. Help me to trust you today. I need you. I need you. Help me to trust you. Help me to love you more. Help me to be deeper in a wa- and walk with you, Lord God. Help me. I need you. He's not afraid. He's not afraid. He knows it already. Just cry out. Open up your mouth. Confess him. Holy God, come and move. As we've already prayed, Daddy, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In our lives, in this place. In Jesus' name. And in together as a community of faith, we say amen and amen. So be it. Let's give God some praise this morning for who he is. My king, my Lord, my God. Hallelujah. Jesus. Woo! Oh hallelujah. Good morning church. How you doing today? I'm going to introduce you to our newest member of church today. This is the newest member of our of our household. I got her. Her name Oops. Her name's Harlow Fair. She's a little over 4 months old. And the reason that J- D- Jake and I are doing the switch here today. It's because Pastor Danielle is taking communion over to Sharon, our CFO's house, who's struggling with serious health issues. And, you know, this is why we do life together. So, because in times of need, we need somebody not just to tell us about the goodness of God, but to show up with the goodness of God. And so if Jake and I have to do a little switch this morning, if we have to flip-flop some things in service because someone in our community needs help, needs a little bit more love, needs a little bit more for Pastor D to show up and bring the Holy Ghost and bring some peace in the midst. Of, that's what community is. That's what church is. I used to think church was about having good transitions, making sure we had the best videos, making sure we sang the best songs, making sure the worship team had the best clothes and... And then I realized all that stuff is great, but it doesn't bring his presence. The thing that will change you is the presence of God. It's the presence of God. It's the presence of God. Thanks, Bubba. Do you have, here, do you my, need my keys? Okay. It's the presence of God. Man, how good is our God that he shows up for us? My God shows shows up for us. How do I know it? Because when I was still his enemy, when I was a sinner, Jesus Christ rolled up on this planet. He left glory. He shed his eternal glory and clothed himself in my decay. He walked among us. He died for us and rose again. He showed up and he still shows up. My God isn't ever late. He may not seem early to you, but I promise you he's never late. So I don't know what you're going through today. I know I've got enough stuff on my own plate. Come on, somebody. I I know that my God has to show up. Danielle and I were talking the other day. She looked at me and she said, Kyle, it's all good. Do you know why it's good? Because we're in a place where only God can show up. And you can't do it. So it's God's got to show up. And if you're in that place today, you're in the right place. You're in the right place here, and you're in the right place there. So I'm so glad you're here. If you're a guest today. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being here. If you're online, thank you for joining us, being a part of it as well. You know there's so many reasons and so many things that are going on. Thank you for being a part of it with us. Hey, church for us is about a community, so as you're being seated, just take a few moments. Say hi to somebody. Give them a fist pump. Give them a high five, whatever they're comfortable with. Just take a moment to say hi. Can you do me a favor? Can you just take this? Thanks. Uh, as you guys are being seated, let me just t- take a moment before we even hop into the word today. Because we're going to get into communion. As I said, Pastor D just took communion over to Sharon. We're going to do communion in a minute. But uh, I also want to just take a moment to say thank you to all of our veterans. So if you're a veteran, if you are a, a, a child of a veteran, if you're a family member of a veteran, thank you so much for your sacrifice, for your giving. Because the land that we live in is not free. Because of the sacrifices of a few, it takes the sacrifices of many. And we don't live in something that was not bought at a price. In both the natural and the spiritual, we live in something that was bought at a price. So thankful for that. Just want to invite you, next Sunday is a phenomenal Sunday for us. Um, We're going to get a chance to do baptisms in service uh, like we did a few months ago. And if you have not taken the opportunity to be baptized, or maybe you were baptized as a child, as your parents' faith, we honor that. But the Word of God actually talks about as believers, as men and, men and women who have made a, a decision for Jesus to, to be baptized. And there, there's something powerful. I say it every week, when we, uh, every time we do baptisms. There's nothing magical about the water, but there is something mystical about it. There's something powerful about it. Because when you come up out of the water, you're saying that the old self is dead, and I'm on for Jesus. Man, I I got Jesus on me. I'm under him. I've got him in my life. I'm ready to walk this thing out. And so if you haven't ever, or maybe you've been baptized as a kid. I was, my first time I was baptized. First time, because I've been baptized a couple times. First time I was baptized, I was a teenager. I did it because my, you know, I believed I was saved. But I did it because my family was being baptized. I thought that was a cool thing to do. And that was a great moment. When you get baptized as a family, it's a great moment. But then there was a time when Kyle needed to say, you know what? Kyle needs to go all in with Jesus. Celebrate that moment. It didn't mean that that moment didn't matter with my family, but there was something powerful about the moment that Kyle decided to go all in. So I want to invite you, if you've never done that, go to Linktree, get signed up. It's next week, and be here next week. Be a part of that service, which is so powerful and so beautiful. Well, are you guys ready for the word this morning? I'm ready for the word. I'm ready for this. I wasn't here last week. I want to thank our whole team who uh, did the roundtable last week. Thank you guys for bringing the word. It was brilliant. It was beautiful. Um, I was so blessed by it. I was, Dee and I took a, a week off um, to prepare actually for an outreach that we have in our town every year. Uh, and we do something special at Christmas in our town. And so we utilize that opportunity to actually spread the gospel as well. Uh, but we want to do it well, and our house is big, so it takes a lot to get it ready for that moment. Well, since you brought your Bible, why don't you open with me to 2 Samuel chapter 21. 2 Samuel chapter 21. 2 Samuel is the 10th book of the Old Testament, and we're going to continue talking about, for, for we've been talking about, we're going to talk about it for the next couple of weeks, about the power of partnership, about redefining what church is. What this community of faith is meant to be, from experience to community, from just kind of encountering something on a Sunday, to learning to live life as a man or woman of God every day. And so if you need a title for today's message, it's whose back do you have? Whose back do you have? You know, growing up, you probably were like me, we probably grew up around with a crew who you thought had your back, Right? Who, who, you, who believed had your back, and, and the boldness you felt was dependent on the people that were in that group, because the more you felt like they had your back, the more bold you would be, the more risk that you'd be willing to take, the more ready you were ready to step up if someone stepped up to you, right, because you had your crew, they had your back, and and maybe, maybe you were like me, did, did you, did you I'm sure every crew has one of these people like Peter, you know, the dude who was like 10 steps out in front of people, cutting the the servant's ear off, and I'm like, dude, chill out. He just asked for directions, right? It's all right, relax. But the the truth is, we often tend to surround ourselves with people we feel have our back. And the boldness or lack of boldness that we feel in taking risks and stepping out is influenced by that factor. And I can certainly tell you there have been many times in my life or at least times in my life when I've been in the midst of it. When I've been in the stuff and I've turned and looked to see if the people who said they would have my back would have my back and they were there. And there's nothing like that feeling. But probably more often than not, and maybe you can relate to this, I was in the midst of it and when I turned to see who had my back The people I thought would have my back were gone, and I was standing all alone. And so I understand it's natural for us to ask the question, who's got my back? But maybe the more pressing question in today's world, as we think about what God has and where we're going, and the end times rolling out, is whose back do we have? It's great to think about who has your back, but whose back do you have? Because that's what community is. It's not just simply knowing that someone has your back, it's actually having someone's back. Why? Because we need it. You and I in this place, we need someone. Matter of fact, many of us to have our back because we were designed to succeed and to flourish in a God community, designed to live in this God-ordained uh, kingdom culture, in this God-ordained relational covenant that God calls the church. This is where we were designed to flourish. That's why I know it was said last week, but Psalm ninety two thirteen says, those who are planted in the house of God, planted, they will Flourish. There is a blessing, there is overflow to being planted in community of God. In a community of God. Not just friends, but a community of God. See, my friends, it's not simply coming to service together, it's being in service to one another that matters. Let me just say that again. It's not like church isn't about we come to service together. You go to concerts together with people, not your family, they're not your friends, they don't have your back. You go to school together, you go to work together, this is not that. It's not about coming to service together, it's about being in service to one another that matters. See, in this text that we're going to look at, King David is in the battle uh, of his life with one of the sons of Goliath. And he gets weary, He, he gets tired. Anyone tired in here today? Anyone emotionally tired? Anyone? Any, just me. Just me. I'm the only one who has tired, right? Oh, no, we're tired. And if it wasn't for someone in his community that he was doing life together with, no matter how talented and strong he was, he would have died. Can I just say, I think many times we have dreams that die and marriages that get assassinated and emotions that get gunned down and hope that gets sideswiped and generational issues that rise up and wage war on us, not because we haven't been coming to church, but because we haven't developed a community that fights for the success of one another. A community of faith that sees faith not as a way to prosper ourselves, but sees faith as a means to provide and protect others. Yeah. It's not that faith doesn't bless you. Come on. It's that God has given you and I faith in order and put us in community to utilize that faith, not just so you and I are blessed, but to protect and provide for the others that are in the battlefield around us. Yeah. This is what we're going to see here. In 2 Samuel chapter 21, we're going to look at verse 15. Maybe we can see something and grab a hold of something this morning. There was war, the Bible says, between the Philistines and and Israel. And David went down together with his servants, and they fought against the Philistines. And David grew weary. And Ishbi Benob, one of the sons of the giant, whose spear weighed 300 shekels of bronze, and who was armed with a new sword, thought to kill David. But Abishai, the son of Zariah, came to his aid and attacked the Philistine and killed him. Then David's men swore to him, you shall no longer go out with us to battle. There needs to be a transition unless you quench the lamp of Israel. Come on, this is David. This is a man after God's own heart. He is anointed. He is ordained. He is empowered. And yet he still would have died alone And weary and battle-worn because he was trying to fight the battle by himself. It doesn't matter how much anointing you've got. It doesn't matter how empowered you are. It doesn't matter how mature you think you are. You were not designed to fight alone. The truth is I think too many men and women of God are being taken out because we're living in the splendor that church community can give us. And don't get me wrong, this church community can give us great splendor. It gives us worship, it gives us words, it gives us kids ministry, it gives us youth, it gives us all these amazing things in modern day church. And we can easily live in the splendor of the church community, but we're still trying to fight our real battles Alone, We need an Abishai, and we need to become an Abishai for others. You are never designed to fight alone. Church is not a moment where I show up to get what I need. It is a place to build community with other fighters. Because the real battle will take you out, no matter how anointed you are. I think the challenge in our modern world, especially in our modern church world, is when when it comes to the difference between believers and disciples that we've been talking about, is that believers tend to look for friends to have their back. But But disciples live in communities of fighters who are committed to having their back. And this is where it tends to get wonky in church. Because as we talk about building community, as we talk about doing life together and being the church... Who are we looking to to build this with? Friends or fighters? Friends or fighters? Do you come to church because your friends are here, or do you come to church because you know someone here has your back? The reality is, my friends. David grew weary. The truth is, we all are weak, and we all will become weary especially in this modern world of cumulative grief and compounded weariness that we're all walking in we all will grow weak we all need help because weakness stay with me weakness is built in to the fallen human condition you're not weak because you're bad you're not weak because you're immature you're not weak because you're a sinner you're weak because you are part of you is still in a fallen state That's why the Bible tells us in Romans 7.15, Paul says, why do I always do what I don't want to do? Why? Because there's still this part of me that exists from the fall that is inside of me. It comes from two people getting into a wrong agreement together. What it takes to break that is us coming into right agreement with Jesus. The power of partnership is when we get into right agreement with what Jesus says. That's why Romans ten nine says, if I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in my heart, that he died and rose again, I shall be saved. Why? Because the power of partnership is getting into right agreement with what Jesus says. That's why Jesus tells us we need one another. That's why Jesus said he is building a community of faith. That's what he is building. You want to know what Jesus is doing? He says, I will build my church. Do you know what he's actively doing right now? He's building his church. A community of people designed to live together in faith. We need. We're looking for friends when we should be looking for fighters. Especially when you and I are fighting generational issues. Come on, how many times have we found ourselves saying, I can't believe I'm here again. I can't believe I'm fighting the same thing. I thought I beat this before. I can't believe this is happening again in my life. I'm so tired of this. Come on, do you realize that David beat Goliath 40 years before this moment? And he's still fighting the same fight. Because one victory does not a war make. We're like, oh, I had a victory 40 years ago over pornography. Awesome. How are you doing today? Oh, I had a victory. I stopped gossiping 40 years ago. Uh-huh. How you doing today? One victory does not the war make. And the truth is, I believe, either when we face these times, either God has us fighting the same issues over and over again so that we can learn to rely on his grace because he knows what we would be like without him. Just take Paul, for example. uh, 2 Corinthians 12 tells us, Paul prayed three times to get rid of the the thorn in his flesh. What does God say? Uh, mm, You need to rely on my grace because my strength is made perfect in your weakness. What he's saying is, Paul, I know how you'd be if I removed that from your life. And it's either that or sometimes it's because we still haven't learned to transition into kingdom community. We need to learn how to stop doing it ourselves. David had to learn to transition from being a lone warrior into a community liver. If I could say anything to American Christians today, one of the things I would say to you is stop living like a lone warrior and learn how to be a community liver. It's going to take transition because it's not the normal church life. It's not how we've been raised over the last hundred years and what church is. That's not because it's God's will. It's because it's the enemy's will for the church because it removes the strength from the house. See, a fighter connects to our kingdom calling, not our emotional connection. He's not looking to build with people because they make them feel warm fuzzies or because we have a lot in common. I think the issue in our generation when it comes to building community and especially church community is we're looking to build it with friends rather than fighters. We're looking for people who look like us, come from where we come from, understand us. That's why we have a ton of homogeneous churches. Everybody looks the same, dresses the same, acts the same, comes from the same backgrounds. But if you've ever experienced that, have you ever considered that if all these people are like us, then they probably all have the same generational enemies? We do. The Philistines were David's enemies because they were Israel's enemies. The truth is, my friends, I don't need more people around me with the same enemies I've got. I need some people around me who know how to beat the enemies I've got. That's why Jesus didn't build the church out of all fishermen, or all tax collectors, or all Jewish people, or all Gentiles, or all male, or all female. We need people not like us to beat some of the enemies they ain't got. Do you remember Job? Do you remember Job? How many of you know Job had it rough? Like he lost his business, he lost his house, he lost his kids, he was sick, it was messed up. But Job had three friends who came to his aid. They were friends, they just weren't fighters. They had no ability to raise his faith. They gave him their ear, they gave them their advice, their support, but they did not raise his faith. So much so that God in Job 42, 7 corrects them. He says, yo, I want to let you know my anger burns against you because you did not represent me right to Job. Man, they they put on ashes. They acted like mourners, but they didn't bring the word. They didn't stand in truth. They were friends and not fighters. That's why if we want to be abishized and actually have someone's back, we need to know the word. We need, to have a, we need to be committed to the Word. We need to be committed to holiness. We need to have a re- real relationship with the Holy Spirit so that He can bring things back to remembrance, which means they first have to be there in the first place to bring something back to remembrance. We need to rely on His words of wisdom, His words of knowledge. I don't know what to say. Got it. That's where the Holy Spirit comes in and drops something into your spirit that breaks and shatters down to soul and spirit. Come on. We need to rely on the Gifts of the Holy Spirit. Not myself. I'm not saying how good we are. We need to rely on the things God gave us. We need Abishai. We need some fighters in this place. I love that I got friends in this place, but I need a fighter. Because a fighter presses the advantage in order to remove the enemy's advantage. Not so they can get their own advantage. Abishai didn't press the advantage of the enemy so that he would have one over on David. He would feel better about himself compared to what David was, so that he could hold it over David's head that David was weak and that David fell and that David messed up. Do you remember in John chapter 8 when uh, the Pharisees bring the woman with the issue of, the the woman who got caught in adultery, thrown before Jesus? Jesus is so angry. And the reason why is because they were misusing her weakness for their advantage. They were misusing her weakness for their own advantage. And that's why Jesus brings it back when it comes to community, back to his core principle of grace and truth. I think the problem is if we're honest with one another, one of our greatest fears in all of us is to admit or to show that we actually have weaknesses. Especially in men. We're like, I'm never gonna tell people. So, and especially in some cultures, we have to recognize when you grew up in things that said, what's done in this house stays in this house. You don't let anyone else know our business. The enemy has shaped a shaming and hiding inside of you that will cause you in the spiritual to do the same thing. But our weaknesses will always be revealed. Because the enemy is not coming to show off our strengths. He's there to reveal our weaknesses. And that's why we hide so many times when we're going through battles. Because we don't want anyone to see our weaknesses. When it's over, we come back to church. When it's over, we'll show back up at fours or shoulders and we'll come back to whatever it is. But we're so embarrassed, we don't want someone to see that we're weak. But I need you and I to see something here. The enemy is going to try to single you out. To isolate you like David. To try in order to bring division and dissension and despair inside of you. That's why we need to fight for unity. Unity is not something that happens because we sing the same songs or sit in the same seats. You've got to fight for unity. Psalm 133 says how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. It's in unity that God bestows blessing. It's in unity that God bestows life like you can't have it in the natural. This text shows us that we can be isolated while still in the midst of community. David Was alone, even though it was in community. We can isolate ourselves easily when we're going through a battle. Physically, we can separate ourselves. Emotionally, we can separate ourselves. Conditionally, we only say what we want people to know. I know when I'm going through things, I have a tendency sometimes to not pick up the phone. To not return calls. To hide myself in work. And I can justify it all that I want, but I know down deep inside of me I'm isolating myself because I really don't want to hear what I don't want to hear. But the Bible tells me in Proverbs 18.1 that it's a foolish man that isolates himself, a foolish man that sets himself up for destruction. The truth is, my friends, I need you to hear me today. It doesn't matter who you go to the ball game with, but it certainly matters who do you go to battle with. I don't care who you go to game with, who you go to a movie with, who you hang out with, who you go to dinner with, but it does matter who you go to battle with. And we can't go to battle with friends. We've got to go to battle with fighters. That's what kingdom community is. It's warriors who are dressed for battle, who know us who are close enough to us that they're in the fight with us in order to have our back when generational oppressors show up in our midst. Come on. Did you notice? Did you notice by the way that none of David's brothers were there? Oh, no, no. David's brothers were in the army when Goliath showed up, but they weren't fighters back then and they aren't fighters now. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure that they enjoyed all the benefits of being a brothers and family. To the king. I'm sure they enjoyed eating at the king's table. And getting all the king's benefits. And getting all the king's blessings. Come on. That is such a picture of church today. I'm just happy being at the king's table. Being a part of the king's family. Getting the king's blessings. But the king's in the middle of a battle. And there are some enemies coming for him. He doesn't need family. He needs fighters. The kingdom of God. Is about developing, uh, developing intimacy and transparency and realness and authenticity with people in our world so that they have our back when we are weary and we are tired. Here's the reality, my friends. Those who will, cannot increase us will eventually decrease us. doesn't matter how well we love them or know them. That's why... When friends leave church or friends start to deconstruct their faith, which seems to be the kind of new vogue thing to do in the 21st century, deconstructing my faith, we start to freak out. We we start to spin. We start to wonder. And how many of us know we don't wonder? You don't wonder well, by the way. You don't wonder well. You wonder like, well, I wonder what's really going on. I wonder what's really happening there. I wonder what's real with the real story. We don't wonder well. And then we start to wander. And then we start to lose our faith. But we're not alone. It's in the Word. In John chapter 12, the Bible says there were a lot of people who believed in Jesus but would not confess Him because they were listening to what the Pharisees had to say. They were around the Pharisees long enough, people who could not increase them, and they became decreased by them. So I have a question for the fighters that are in this room today. How are we speaking into our community? Not how is the pastor. Not how are the pastors. How are we speaking into our community today? What are we bringing? Like when God, in the very beginning, when God saw chaos and he saw that that, that there was void and darkness, the Bible says he spoke into it and out of it brought order and light. When Abishai saw what was going on, he brought his sword into the chaos, into the battle. Our sword, the Bible says, is the word of God. The word of God that can cut soul and spirit. How much word are we bringing to our neighbor? The person sitting next to you. The person sitting in front of you. Do you even know what's going on in their life in order to bring a word to their life? We need people who have each other's back. Because fighters recognize that the gift within themselves is meant to keep the light in others burning. The gift inside of you is meant to keep the light in someone else burning. Abishai saved David. He saved his light. Do you know what Abishai means? Gift of the Father. Gift of the Father. But where was the gift found? Outside of David. And in the community That God had placed David in. Isn't that what we've been talking about for so many weeks now? The boy with five loaves and two fish. The answer God God tends to use, put the answer in the community that someone in the community needs. I think the truth is we need to recognize that many times what worked before in our lives won't work now. Because God is trying to get us to understand the deepest significance that we can have is not truly relying on ourselves, but relying on his gifts that he has placed in his community. Oh, he may give you a miracle for a moment, come on somebody, but he is trying to build you to rely on his gifts that he's placed in community. That's what 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, everyone, each and every person who knows Jesus Christ, there's a gift in the community. There's a gift inside of them for the good, for the common good, for the good of the community around us. So have we asked ourselves, what gift has God given us to help build this community? Are we building this community around us so that we are ready to have each other's back? Are we real and authentic and open? Are we living life together? That's why force and shoulder to shoulder are so important. We have our men's and women's discipleship groups, not because they're designed for just super mature people. They're designed to do exactly what we're talking here. People who you can be real with, who won't judge you, who aren't pressing for for their own advantage, but will press the enemy for your advantage. So the question we have to ask ourselves is do we have an Abishai in our lives? Are we an Abishai for this community of faith? I'm not talking about are we simply being good friends or have a group of people we hang out with who say they have our back. I'm talking about brothers and sisters of faith who can take the giants out in our lives. Because here's the truth. The reality is whatever we believe is most valuable, we will fight for most passionately. If we believe the most valuable things we can have is friends, then we will fight just to be friends with people. But if we believe the most valuable things we can have is a community of faith, men and women born, destined to be fighters by our side, we will fight most passionately for it. That means there has to be change. That means there has to be things in us we give up, sacrifice, do differently than we've ever done before. Because I can't rest on my past. If I always do what I've always done, I always get what I've always gotten. In order to change my tomorrow, I first change my today. Isn't that the parable of the great pearl? The man sees a pearl of great price. He sells everything to go get it. The truth is, David was weak. He was vulnerable. But he didn't know he was vulnerable. That's why we need others close enough to us who we're open with and real enough with so that they can see, hey, you're being, you're vulnerable. I'm so thankful for my Forge group. We've got a great group and we have hard conversations. And real conversations. And if you don't believe that, ask some of the pastors because they're in that group. And they will tell you we have open and honest and real conversations. But I always leave uplifted even when they're heavy conversations. Because I know I've got some Abishais that are standing by my side. I've got Aaron's and hers who will lift up my arms when my arms grow tired. I've got somebody who will go and face the giant on my behalf because I'm weary and worn out. But they can't do it if they don't don't know it. They can't see it if I don't open up my life to show it to them. The enemy, my friend, will always look for those weaknesses in our life to exploit them. And it doesn't happen on our worst days. It doesn't happen on those most catastrophic moments. Do you know sometimes you're the most vulnerable after your biggest victories? Like, if you just got a promotion, take a moment. If you just had, like, the best day of your life... Uh, Sit back for a moment. Come on, do you realize, like, in, in, in 1 Kings 19, Elisha, the prophet, had just won the greatest battle of his life. He was on Mount Carmel, right? God shows up in fire, blows up all the prophets of Baal. He's awesome. He's living life big. Do you know what his next moment was? He ran to a broom tree, laid down under it, and said, God, kill me. I just want to die because I'm no better than my father's. See, 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 his thinking connected him back to generations. Right. See, sometimes our generational curses are actually generational mindsets that haven't been redeemed by the blood of God, by the truth of the word. That's why we need to, re- Romans 12, 2, it says, i to renew my mind. Because the enemy's always going to try to exploit it. The truth is, my friends, fighters fight what is connected to our past in order to transition us. Into a godly future. Isn't that why he was fighting? Not just to save his life, but so that he could be the king he was designed to be. See, in order to understand kingdom community, we have to understand times of transition. I know in the natural, we always think of times of transition, like from going to grade school to high school, high school to college, college to a job, job to retirement. That's the natural transitions of life. But the kingdom of God is about transition. It's about transitioning from our weak flesh to becoming the man or woman that God has created us to be. Not who we've wanted to be, dreamed about being. Not, 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 not based on the victories we've had in the past. Come on, David wanted to be a warrior, and he had victories there. But what had God created him to be? The king. That, that's the same image, I believe, that God is trying to transition us into. Into the image of the king, thinking like the king, acting like the king, worshiping like the king, viewing the kingdom of God like the king views the kingdom of God. Yeah. I think the reality is we, are, we constantly find ourselves in a weak or vulnerable position when we only function out of our past identities, whether they be failures or victories. It's most des- destructive when we actually try to function the same way out of our victories. Do you remember, we talked about it a few weeks ago, but in Acts 10, Peter has a dream, right, of a, of a sheet coming down with unclean food on it. And God says, go eat it. And he's like, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh uh-uh. And what God's trying to get him to do is to open up the doors of the church to the Gentiles. And he's like, no way. Think about this. Think about this. The church was booming. Thousands were being added to the church. The Bible says they were being added daily signs, miracles, wonders, people being raised from the dead, all sorts of things that were happening. But they were still trying to do the same thing that got them there. And God said, look, I'm trying to do something new. Stop relying on the past victory. I want to bring you into a new victory. And that means you need to seek community differently than you were raised. When we come into kingdom community, we need to transition our thinking. Our identity from the victories we've won by ourselves to the way that God sees victory for his community in the future. This is what I hope we can walk away with. That an invitation of help is not a sign of weakness. It's actually a part of God's original design of creation. An invitation to help of help is not a sign of weakness. If you need help, it's not a sign of weakness. Uh, The the garden needed tending. That means the garden needed help, but God still called it good. Adam needed help, so God made Eve, and God called it good. It's actually when we can think that we can do it alone with this American machoism, like we don't need anything, we don't need anybody, that kind of mentality that is counter to God's creative design. And so when it comes to community, to living life together, walking out discipleship together, he never intended for us to do it with us and just him. Never. Never. He didn't even, I'm going to say something for the married folk in here too. He didn't just do it, intend it for you and your spouse and him. How do I know this? Because the, some of the disciples were married. We know this because Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law. But yet, Jesus still creates a band of brothers who were designed to do battle together. It's why he sent them out two by two. Not with their spouses. Two by two. One Abishai with another Abishai. One standing by the other. Together, God is looking for a band of brothers. He's for marriage. He's for friendships. But his community is based on people who are willing to stand side by side, living life in victory together. We need Abishai's. To become an Abishai, I think we have to understand how God functions and how God thinks. We see it in Genesis, don't we, in the very beginning. We don't have to look far. In in the beginning, God creates land for the plants, water for the fish, air for the birds. He creates kingdoms and kings to live in them. And how many of us know a fish thrives when it's in the kingdom it was made for in water. But you take a fish out of the kingdom it was made for, what happens? It dies. A plant thrives when it's in the kingdom it was made for, the land, but you take it out of the land, the kingdom it was designed for, and it dies. Don't get me wrong. It'll have a semblance of life for a little while, but the moment you remove it from the kingdom it was designed for, it begins to die. It's the same thing for humanity. It's the same thing for us. God designed a kingdom community. He, lived, he, he, he designed us to live in this world, but to function in the kingdom of God. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, I didn't come to build a world. I'm going to come to build my church. I'm going to come to build a community of faith who know how to live this thing out together. A common group of people living for a common cause, going in a common direction. What's the first thing God did when he brought them out of the wilderness and into the promised land, which is a picture of abundant life in Jesus Christ? He took them out of tents and into houses, from being a people who wandered to people who were planted. What's the first thing Jesus did when he started his ministry? He went from being a lone rabbi and started gathering disciples and building community. This is how God sees life. But here's the beautiful thing about God. God created these various arenas in the garden, the land, the sea, the air, the trees, the plants, all of them for humanity to be blessed by them. That's why God has created vocational arenas and social arenas and athletic arenas and creative arenas so you and I could be blessed by them. But the trouble is that we have focused on them becoming the thing that causes us to thrive. So we've made them our pursuit. But the reality is these were made so that you and I could survive, but the kingdom of God is designed to be a place where we thrive. Right. That's why Jesus said in Matthew six thirty three, seek first the kingdom of God, and then all these other arenas that I've given you, they'll bless you too. We've got it reversed. I know I'm called to be a provider. No, you're called to be a worshiper of Jesus. No, 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 I know I got to go make my... I know I got to be the soccer mom. No, 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 you, you got to be a mom that disciples your children. Yeah. Ain't nothing wrong with soccer, but you seek first... Come on, somebody. You seek first the kingdom of God, and then these, all these other arenas that he created to bless you will bless you. But we can't reverse that and think there's life and blessing. But ultimately, my friends, and I'm almost done... I sweat through the shirt already, (laughs) is ultimately the reason that we seek the kingdom isn't for ourselves at all. It's not so that we can thrive. It's because Jesus is at the center of it all. We don't seek the miracle, but the miracle worker. The gift, but the gift giver. Not even salvation. We need to seek the Savior. And it takes a transition of our mentality, of our focus, of our goals, of our drive away from this American dream into a kingdom dream. We've screwed this up in American church. We have made the American dream and the kingdom dream synonymous with one another. They are not. Yeah. They are not. I'm go- We need a transition because the kingdom dream is about us. Introduce, is about introducing us to Jesus who is life and life more abundantly, but the American dream is about us setting ourselves up for a good life. That doesn't work. Come on, so many people have been broken and disillusioned because they've picked church by their friends when they should be picking church by the fighters. Yeah. Did you get the end of Jesus's life, by the way? At the end of Jesus' life, he says something really interesting in John 15. He says to his disciples, I no longer call you servants. I now call you friends. And you're like, that's awesome. That's fantastic. Like, I want to be Jesus' friend. Mm. But then, do you know what happens? He was betrayed by a friend. He was denied by a friend. He was abandoned by his friends. I think he said that and did that so that he, we knew what it felt like. To be abandoned by friends. Denied by friends. Betrayed by friends. Left by friends. But Jesus does not build the church off of friends. He builds it off of redeemed men who he goes to war for. That's why he doesn't leave Peter in the state of denial that Peter was in. He rolls up as the mighty warrior, the real Abishai, and he says, Peter, let's deal with this crap. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Get on with it then. Come on. Thomas, are you so afraid? Let me show you who I really am. Let's deal with this so you can get on on with it. Hey, people, disciples on the road to Emmaus, why are you walking with your head down? Let me show you who I really am so we can get on with this. Jesus was not building church off of friends. He was building church off of redeemed men and women. This picture that we see of David and Abishai is a foreshadowing of the real king. When he's walking up a different hill, in the midst of a different battle, against the greatest giant the world's ever seen, and he's walking up that hill, and he's getting weary, and he's getting tired, and he's getting worn out, and he falls, and he falls, and he falls, and he falls, and he falls on that road called Via della Rosa, until there's one Abishai, by the name of Simon of Cyrene, who picks up the cross and carries it to the top of the hill so that Jesus could defeat the greatest giant we've ever seen called death and hell and sin. And so he could be transitioned into being the King of kings and Lord of lords. My friend, if your life is in a position where you don't need help to live it, you're either living it too small it's, or it's not God enough. If Jesus needed a Simon, if David needed an Abishai, we need a fighter. I don't care who you go to the ball game with. But I do care who you go to battle with. I love that we can enjoy being with one another. I love that this church doesn't care what color of skin you got, what your social background was, whether you've graduated college or simply graduated elementary school. We couldn't care less. That is awesome. I love that this church is welcoming, grace-filled. It doesn't matter what your life has been. You're welcome here. No matter how you're living, you're welcome here. But at the end of the day, we do ourselves an injustice when we are simply trying to build life with friends. Rather than becoming fighters. Because there's a gift inside of you. That God has placed, not just gifted, I'm going to use my gift. I'm going to use it until the day he takes me home. Because there's a moment when only I get to stand in front of him. Just me. Not me and Danielle, not me and Jake, not me and Harlow, not me and our board, not me and our pastors, not me and all the victories I've had in my past, none of it. Just me. And there's one sentence I want him to say. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter in, for great is your reward because you fought the battles that needed to be fought. That's kingdom community. Church cannot be defined by the songs we sing, the style of sermons that we preach, the seats that we sit in, the liturgy that we have. Kingdom community will only be victorious when we build these things with openness and realness and authenticity and we learn not to walk alone but with one another. You need an Abishai. This church needs you to be one too. Amen? We're going to pray. The one thing that we can learn from this text that's so important is that David couldn't save himself. It was a gift from the Father that saved him. It's the same way with you. No matter how good you've been, no matter how good you try to be, you cannot save yourself. Salvation comes as a gift from the Father. So I'm really not asking you if you've been to church much in your life, or how good or how bad you've been, because the requirement of heaven is perfection, and all of us have sinned and fall short of it. But the Bible says the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. There is a real Abishai named Jesus that fought for you on that hill. And if you will come into right agreement with him this morning, confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that he died and rose again, today you'll be saved. Not when you die, today. Salvation, today is the day of salvation. So if you're here today, maybe you're online today, maybe you're listening to this podcast, Maybe you're driving in your car, but you know in your heart you're far from God. Today, accept the gift. Accept the gift. You can't do it alone. Accept the gift. All you got to do is receive it. Today is your day. I'm going to pray. And if that's who you are and that's where you are, whether this is your first time or you're finding yourself needing to come back to Jesus, you've been far from him, you've been distant from him, You've been cold in your heart. Today's the day to come home again. If you're a prodigal son, a prodigal daughter, if you're living in the pigsty of life, come on home. The Bible says the moment the prodigal son turned, the father ran to him. My God will close any gap, no matter how far you are away from him. Today's your day. Just pray this prayer with me, but not to me, just with me. And the God of heaven will come meet you where you are. Just say, dear Jesus, here I am today. I've come to give you my life. All that I am, all that I have, all that I ever will be, I give to you now. I'm asking you, Jesus, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. Forgive me of all my sin. Cleanse me from everything I've done wrong. Fill me with Your Spirit. Make me Your child. From this day forward and forevermore, I choose to live full on for Jesus Christ. I refuse to go back. I refuse to look back. I choose to live for His glory and His glory alone. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, can we give God a hand just for people who are making that decision in the name of Jesus? Father, you're worthy. My friends, look, if you made that decision in just a few moments at the end of service, Pastor Rick and Kathy will be right over here. Pastor Rick and Kathy, you can give a wave over there. They'll be happy to meet you. They have some free resources they love to give you, be a part of it. If you prayed that online today, you can can, uh, go to the contact that's there, and we'll send you those free resources as well. My friends, in just a moment, we're going to take communion. But before we do that, I think there's just a need to respond with the giving of ourselves. And part of giving of ourselves is giving of our resources in order for community to live and thrive. Not survive, but thrive. So Pastor Lisa, will you guys give Pastor Lisa a hand? and She's just going to come up and encourage us in our giving today. Come on, Lisa. Fantastic.
2: Good morning. Good morning. I'm going to take a minute, church, to lead us in our tithes and offerings this morning. There are three ways that you can do that today. You can use the envelopes that are around you and place them in the beautiful kiosks by the door. Or you can go online to the connectchurch.com or CCB. Or finally, you can go right to our QR code on the screen and it will take you right there. But as you do that today, I want to quickly put a word in front of us and that word is trust Mm. you know we've probably heard it said so many times right that trust is so key to a relationship right it's foundational to a good and healthy relationship do you trust that person and it applies to our relationship with the lord also right do we trust him do we trust him with everything like proverbs 3 5 says Trust the Lord your God. Do not lean on your own understanding. Trust Him with everything. But you know what the difference is, the wonderful difference between people and God? The difference is that even if we feel like we don't trust Him, we can actually go to God. And we can say, help me, God. Help me in my unbelief. Help me to trust you. And God doesn't go, how dare you? He says, thank you for coming to me. Thank you for being honest. I love you, my child. I will help you. So if you're struggling this morning, if you're doing great with that church, then well done. If you're struggling, we are in this together as that community. You can go to the Lord and say, please help me to trust you, God. Help me to trust you in every area. Right, church? So let's take a moment to pray together this morning. Heavenly Father, we love you today. God, I thank you that we come as a community, as brothers and sisters together in your name. Lord, we give of our tithes and offerings, Lord, because you have commanded us to do that in your word. And so, God, we pray that you would use it, Lord, to build your kingdom, Father. And we pray for every need in this room, Lord, that every need would be met, God. And every household, God, every financial need, everything that is lacking, God, that we would seek you, Lord. And, God, if we struggle in this area, Lord, help us to be honest with you. Help us to be able to come and kneel before you and to listen to you, to not just um, try to do it on our own because that's not what you would intend for us. Help us to go to you in that relationship, Lord. Thank you that you are faithful, that you are good, that you are first and foremost our Heavenly Father. And so we worship you today. We worship you with our tithes and offerings, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
3: Amen. Amen. Amen least we love you. You guys are doing such a great job and kids. So thankful that you're fighting for generations beyond you. You know, church, I'm going to ask you to stand with me. We're going to take communion together and if you didn't get a chance to get one of these communion packets when you came in, can you just give a wave and we have some people who can give you one of these. You know, communion Is a covenant and that's what I'm asking us to make here today a covenant with one with God and with one another a covenant that says I know it's based on sacrifice right how can we come to the cross and not know that the covenant of God is made on sacrifice it comes at a price it's not free And so when you're making this, when you're taking communion today, I pray that you remember the price that Jesus paid for you in order to have with you. And that we, in in our hearts, can become men and women who say, You know what, God? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready to sacrifice for people who are around me. You know, that sacrifice, to be honest, even before we take communion, that sacrifice can be as simple as taking a few moments after service instead of rushing out. Just linger for a while. Go, go talk to someone that maybe you haven't got to know quite as well yet. Ask them their story. Here's the easy thing. Hey, man, how you doing? It's good to see you today. Hey, tell me something about your story. How'd you get here? Tell me something about your walk with God. Because the truth is, we ask how was their week. How's job going? How's life going? What we're really asking is friendship questions. But what we really need to be doing is asking covenant questions. How can we live this life together if we're not real with one another? You don't have to tell everybody your deepest secrets, but there should be a few people in your life that know. You don't have to air out your dirty laundry to everybody on Facebook or on Instagram. But there should be some trusted fighters by your side. Because even the most anointed people ever to live, David and Jesus, needed help getting to their destiny. That's what communion reminds us of every time we take it. I can't do it alone. It's a gift of God. On the night that he was going to be betrayed by those friends. By the way, John 15 is in this moment that we're talking about right here. This moment. He says, I don't no longer call you servants. I call you friends. Let's do this thing together. And then after this, they go out and deny him and betray him and abandon him. He said, this covenant that I'm going to make with you. Remember, because my body will be broken so that your broken body could be made whole. That's what this is about. His perfect body was shattered and broken on that tree so that our imperfect bodies could be made whole because he fought for you and I. He killed the giant that was going to kill you what a God we serve what a God we serve that doesn't say here are the balances, here's the scales I'm going to weigh out your good and bad because all of us are in trouble how good of a God that we have that says I see the giant and I know you don't even know it but he's going to take you out but I'm going to step into the world and step in your place I'm going to take him out for you even if it costs me my son His body was broken. Father, thank you for this bread. That is the bread of life. We take it and we eat it now. We thank you that we, you were broken so that we could be made whole. And we proclaim that wholeness now. And we proclaim, Lord God, that we will be a part of bringing wholeness to people in our community, into our family, and into our world. Just like you did for us, we proclaim We will do for others in Jesus' name. Amen. Take and eat. In the same manner, after supper, took a cup of wine, by the way, at that cup, at that moment, it was called the cup of redemption. They didn't know it then, but we know it now. That's exactly what it is. He said, this is the cup of my blood. It's for a new covenant. It's for a new day. It's for the forgiving of your sins. What is he saying? He's saying nothing that we have ever done will be held against us because of what he did for us. The gift gave us a future. This is his blood shed for you and I. We are not our own. We were bought at a price so that we could live like the king, think like the king, worship like the king, view the kingdom like the king. A new day in a new way in Jesus' name. Father, thank you for this blood, this cup that cleanses us, forgives us. To every sin I've ever done, we've ever committed, Lord God, we say it is forgiven. We say shame, you have no power. Guilt be gone in the name of Jesus. Darkness, you have no place. We expose you to the light of the grace and goodness of God. We proclaim today because of what Jesus did. We are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. There's power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of Jesus. We proclaim it and we drink it now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Daddy, I thank you that this communion table reminds us not of just what happened 2,000 years ago in the upper room. And not just what is happening here in our spiritual lives, but it reminds us of a banqueting table that will come one day when our King steps out on the clouds again, when our King comes back from glory to take us home so we can eat at the banqueting table of the Lamb for glory forever and ever and ever in your presence, singing your praises. And so, God, today, we choose to start singing your praises before we get there. We start worshiping you before we get there. We're going to live a life of glory before we get there. Thank you. That we are not like those without hope. Because even though Jesus died, three days later the tomb was empty. He rose again, ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, and will one day come back to take his children home. Of this we proclaim to be truth. This is hope. Holy Spirit, come and do what only you can do. Move in our lives and through our lives so that you can be blessed by our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, church, you can drop those cups off at the tables near the kiosks or in the trash cans by the kiosks when you get ready to go. But as we go today, can I encourage you to do two things? If you're not enforced or shoulder to shoulder, get in it. What are you waiting for? You're neither too mature to not need it and not too immature, come on somebody, to not fit in it. It's for everybody. You can't do it alone. And if you haven't been baptized, or maybe it's ready, it's time to stand up. Say, today I'm ready to live a new life for Jesus. Before you leave today, just sit back down. Go on the link tree. There's QR codes everywhere. Sign up. Get here next week. Because the old is gone and the new has come. God bless you, church. I love you. I can't wait to see you next week. Go and transform this world one life at a time. I love you. See you next week. E Aleluia.